My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Again, with your, Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know. If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? This is an account of the beginning, when all was stillness, silence, and water. There was no light, no land, no plants, no people, and no animals. Six deities covered in green and blue feathers lay in the primordial waters, the framer and the shaper, the Beu Quetzalcoatl, along with Shipyakok and Shmokane. These deities helped Heart of Sky, also known as Uragan, to create the earth. Their spirit essence and their miraculous power gave the earth its creative energy. Now the land had a heart, and they called it Heart of Earth. To separate the sky from the earth, they planted a tall seba tree, making space for all life. The roots penetrated deep into the nine levels of the Maya underworld. The trunk was on the surface of the land, and the branches reached up to the 13 levels of the Maya upper world. The plants were created to live on the earth, then the animals were created. But the animals did not speak and could not worship, so the deities decided to create human beings from mud. These first humans had no souls and were not good keepers of the days. They destroyed them in a great flood. The deities tried another time and created humans from wood, but the wooden people could not worship either, so they were destroyed. Those that survived are said to have become the monkeys in the trees. The sky and the earth now existed, but there was no sun and no moon. A vain bird called Seven Macaw claimed to be the sun and the moon. But this was not true. Two amazing twins, Unakpu and Shpelonke, defeated Seven Macaw by shooting him with darts. The hero twins were conceived when their mother, Ishkik, spoke to the decapitated head of their father, Un Unakpu, spit on her hand from a cacao tree. Un Unakpu had been killed by the lords of Shibalba, the underworld. The hero twins became great ball players, and to bring their father back to life, they challenged the lords of the underworld to a game in Shibalba. The twins were permitted to play the ball game only after they had survived the dangerous trials set for them in the underworld. Using great skill and cunning, the twins won the ball game, and this allowed their slain father to come back to life as the maze god. The hero twins left Shibalba and climbed back up to the surface of the earth. They continued up into the sky, becoming the sun and the moon. 
Now that the sun and the moon were in the sky and illuminated the earth, the deities created the final form of human beings using white and yellow corn. Corn is the precious substance that ultimately succeeds in producing true and enduring humans. Here to remind us of our role as keepers of the days and recontextualize our place under the yellow sun and the white moon is Andra Visan, master of the Mayan dream spell calendar. I'm Mystic Mark. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We talk about all of the solar seals. We're going to find that there's a beautiful story interweaving that's on one hand, we can think of the creation story, and then it's about how we start evolving as conscious beings to access a higher mind. Also, we can group them by color, we can group them by the different chakras that they're associated with, the different planets that they're associated with, and they're all quite interconnected with one another. Also, sequentially, everything in nature is synchronized with this frequency. All of plant, all of animal, even mineral life is aligned to this 1320 galactic frequency, which is actually not only on this planet, it's in the entire galaxy. And this is what it is believed that the purpose of the minds was to basically come here and to give us the tools in order to be able to realign with the natural frequency of time because they were galactic masters in a sense and their purpose was to come on different planets and inhabit them for a period of time in order to be able to kind of align to the culture the local culture and be able to based on the language of this culture inhabiting the planet to offer the tools needed that when the time comes to align with our the galactic center we would be able to do that this is the purpose of the calendar to help us realign with ourselves to help us realign with the natural cycles of time so that we can align the whole galaxy which is pulsating on this rhythm of natural time our solar system is moving closer to the galactic central sun, which the Mayans believed was the center of all creation, the original point of oneness from which all creation expanded, the place where souls go and come from after this physical life. And since 2012, we have begun the journey towards the golden age, as the Mayans described it, a time when we awaken to our potential as humans and we start aligning with um, ourselves and nature. I'm uh, Andra, born and raised in Romania. 
And I first heard about the Mind Dream Spill calendar in 2013. Random talk in somebody's living room about, hey, do you know what galactic signature in the calendar? And no, what is that? And from there, I ended up connecting with somebody who was really into it. And some of the things that he was speaking about made total sense. But uh, there was still like a barrier between me and the knowledge in a way that I did, couldn't seem to access it. It seemed so complicated for me. Until 2017, when around the time of the Mayan New Year, I had some very interesting synchronistic experiences that made me understand that, whoa, this is something powerful and I need to understand what it's all about. So that kind of led me down the rabbit hole. And the more I started to study the dream spell calendar, the more, the more the pieces that I had started to come together and all of my understanding about life and people and psychology all of a sudden had a context and I could, I had like a very beautiful narrative now that was tying all of my life beliefs together. And ever since then, my life changed drastically. It was kind of like an initiating journey ever since. And because it was so easy for me to connect with the calendar, Again, after the date of the, after the 2017 events, I felt like I had to do something with all of that information. So I've been dedicating the last, oh, it's been almost five years now, the last five years to bring this information out there to people because there isn't so much information and not easily accessible by everyone. So yeah, that kind of led me to being here and spending most of my time doing videos, uh, explaining the concepts of the calendar, doing individual sessions with people about their galactic signature, and also doing online and offline to kind of like initiate people into the codes of the calendar. Because, you know, besides this name, Dream Spell Mind Calendar, okay, what does it mean? This is actually a tool that helps us realign with the natural frequency of time, getting us out of the matrix, so to say. And not only that, I see it as a very powerful personal development tool and a tool that can really give us deep insight about who we are, what our purpose is, and how to, let's say, navigate and integrate the shadows that we might experience throughout our lives. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the name is is certainly is certainly interesting it comes from the mayan calendar but what is it can we clarify like dream spell is there is there a part of understanding this calendar that actually affects our dreams like when we're sleeping at night or is this sort of to add like a, a higher you know sort of color the, the the calendar in a way that makes sense you know descriptive term part of the philosophy behind this whole name is the fact that we are actually kind of like living inside a dream and reality is our creation in the same way that dreams at nighttime are something that our consciousness or actually our subconscious mind makes up so it is this understanding that we are creating our own reality through our thoughts, through our emotions, our perceptions, our beliefs, which are shaping our life and our society and basically everything. 
And the dream spell is kind of like a tool meant to help us awaken from this very distorted dream that we have kind of stepped into, which is more like a nightmare version of how reality is supposed to be. So instead of living in harmony with nature and being nature's keepers and the ones that are here to maintain balance, we are kind of like creating chaos around us and we are destroying our environment, mistreating one another and all of these things living in the illusion of separation. So one of the intentions of the dream spell is to help us awaken to our full potential and our capacity to create the reality that we wish to clear out all of the unconscious programming and baggages that we keep carrying and not questioning so that we can step into our power to start together to co-create a harmonious reality for all of humanity, a harmonious reality where we are more connected to the earth, to one another. And um, yeah, it's kind of like a tool to awaken from the nightmare into a dream. That's how I uh, interpret it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, as you're describing this, I'm realizing that I'm not a stranger to these ideas. Obviously, my girlfriend has told me a lot about your work, but my relationship with her kind of started around a time when I found this book called Time and the Technosphere by Jose Arguelles. And her, her and I were so fascinated by this con the Mayan calendar and, and, and trying to live our lives in alignment with the cycles of the moon rather than this, you know, technical calendar that really has no connection to the natural world it's a vestige of history it's been manipulated by emperors and then roman caesars and on and on and on popes and so it is a liberating thing i can attest to this where was your your life when you found the dream spell calendar and how did you start to notice like oh wow this is actually making some profound changes for me so to answer that question i'm going to go to 2017 because that's for me actually the moment I started to connect with it. I wasn't really in a good place in my life back then. I was in a very toxic relationship. I was slightly depressed and having a hard time finding my place, my purpose, wanting to do something, not knowing what I can do, feeling hopelessness and all of these different things. And then as I started to look into it, to read about it, it was, like I said, all the pieces coming together. And it's kind of like set me on a completely different direction. It made me understand why all the things I wanted to do up until that point, why they weren't working for me, because that was in the past. Like it really felt for me that I had found the thing, one of the things that I am supposed to invest my time in. And not only that, it really made me accept certain things about myself. And, you know, when we're doing the inner work and we start discovering the shadow, the uh, tendencies to kind of like fight it, to resist it, to deny it's there. And 
through the fact that it helped me understand the source of my shadows in a much more deeper way, it also facilitated a very deep healing for me. Like it helped me understand a lot of my psychological patterns and why I behave the way that I do and how can I accept and understand these patterns so I can heal them. So that's why I see the dream spell as a personal development tool, because as we start following it day by day, and we start interacting with all of the different archetypes, because for people who are unfamiliar, every day is a combination between one of the 20 archetypes of the calendar, also known as solar seals, and uh, a lunar tone. This is, of course, if we're talking of just about the Tolkien, because the dream spell has actually two calendars in it, the 13 moon calendar and the Tolkien, which is for the Mayans, the sacred galactic calendar. But each day, let's say, has a specific frequency. And by observing how we interact with each day and all of the different archetypes on a longer period of time, so let's say a, a few months, we're going to start noticing how there's a pattern emerging. And let's say if I have issues with my emotions and I keep suppressing them and not communicating them, the archetype that is connected to the expression of the emotions, the red moon archetype, well, I might notice that on those days, I start to experience also all sorts of unpleasant situations inside or outside of myself. And then if we look at that day and we're like, oh, okay, let me understand the meaning of this day. What's it trying to communicate with me? If today is about emotions, how am I dealing with my emotions? Am I listening to them? Am I expressing them? So in time, we're going to actually notice how this pattern changes as we start understanding those shadows and we start working with them that we can find that another archetype is giving us a harder time so yeah for me it's like a never-ending resource uh, of understandings about myself and people around me because i also like to observe huh people around me when are they having a bad day oh okay it's that archetype hmm, okay so i know what they're dealing with actually so yeah a lot a lot of changes in my life and mm. just just how i look at the world how i'm able to understand people on a much more deeper level because i kind of like set the intention to understand how all of these different archetypes work how they influence us so yeah <laughs> right yeah and and it is seemingly complicated at first i mean 20 seals 13 tones you have the galactic calendar then you have the sort of lunar cycle right so to put it into perspective for folks who may be more familiar with the, like the european western style of astrology it's really no different than the way each day has an influence from the sun and the sun's in a different house the moon is in a different house so it sort of rhymes although it is different mm -hmm. um can we get into maybe some of the, the solar seals and lunar tones? Is there a list that we could read or maybe just get into some of the more uh, important ones if, if you can even yeah, distinguish one? To, okay, I'm going to bring two pictures up so that we can look at what are the lunar tones and the solar seals. Okay, so, can, oh, I can actually press the share screen button. Okay, just a second. 
Okie dokie. So this is like a list of the um, 20 archetypes or solar seals of the calendar. And we have the colors red, white, blue, and yellow that keep repeating throughout all of the archetypes. And we can see all of these solar seals as psychological profiles in a sense that influence us that have light and shadow aspects and each of them has a specific power action essence as you see here we can also associate them with different planets in our solar system mentioning that Maldek is the asteroid belt, which was a planet within our solar system. Also, we can associate them with different chakras within the... And they basically represent the principle of form and shape because the, the lunar tones, these dots and bars, which represent the lunar tones, these represent the principle of movement, the principle of energy that is not tied to any specific shape or form and is free to just flow. I also associate them with musical notes, also because of the name, a tone. So they're like different wavelengths of energy vibrating at different scales. And they also have a specific action that uh, represents them, a power, an essence. And just to clarify, this is how the Mayans wrote down numbers. So for them, a dot is one, a bar is five. So here we have six, seven, eight, uh, 10, 11, and so on. And these lunar tones are basically the energy that is, you know, moving and is uh, everywhere at the same time, in a way. And this energy then chooses one of the solar seals as the shape through which that energy now manifests in this physical 3D reality. By choosing a specific archetype, it was believed that this was the way that our soul would choose an energy that would support it in attaining its life's purpose. Like this was the belief of the Mayans that each of us chooses a specific day, which is a combination between a solar seal and the lunar tone. And these two energies together help us gain a much more clear understanding of our mission, our purpose, and the things that we want to achieve in this life. And these solar seals can also be put in different categories. Like we can think of them as going in the order, the order that they have. They tell actually a story of creation from birth, which is what the red dragon represents, all the way to the yellow sun, which represents enlightenment. So if we talk about all of the solar seals, we're going to find that there's a beautiful story interweaving that on one hand we can think of the creation story and then it's about how we start evolving as conscious beings to access a higher mind also we can group them by color we can group them by the different chakras that they're associated with the different planets that they're associated with and they're all quite interconnected with one another also sequentially so the Let's say, for example, here we have the blue knight. It is very linked to the white wind energy and the yellow seed, the one that comes before and after. So they're like always working together. 
these archetypes. And this is what I really appreciate about this calendar system, because it's not about, you know, tying us down to a specific shape or form. It helps us understand that all of these different energies are interconnected. And if we carry a specific archetype as our main energy, we also have different helpers around us to help us connect with that right. energy. Well, I noticed that the, to your point there about the sort of corresponding nature of the, you know, adjacent signs, the chakras go sort of seemingly in order outside of the sacral chakra doesn't seem to be uh -huh. listed. Is there a reason why is, are all of them taking on the energy of the sacral chakra or is that a, a mistake? Where is the sacral chakra in that? I don't see it as a mistake. Also the heart, not the heart, which one was it? The uh, third eye chakra. Yeah, that one isn't there. But the third eye chakra and the sacral chakra are actually connected to one another from my point of view, because in order to actually gain the capacity to open up, to receive the wisdom and to see beyond the illusions, we need to first clear a lot of the energies around the sacral chakra, which are directed towards physicality. The way I see the sacral chakra is its energy is kind of directed towards misusing our creative life force energy and focusing a lot on, you know, the material things in life and all of that comfort and things like that. And the sacral chakra needs to really be like, for, for me, the sacral chakra is the place of power in a sense for us as creative beings, which are here to co-create a harmonious reality. And also the, the third eye chakra is a lot about going beyond the illusions of this reality and seeing the truth of what is. And the reason for all of the chakra correlations, so let me again share the screen so we can have those chakras in front of us. The reason for all of these different correlations are because those chakras are the place of power of those archetypes. So we see here for the red dragon, the throat chakra is the place of power. They are here to communicate a lot or white wind is on the heart chakra. They are here to do a lot of healing on the hearts and all of the different. So here we have at the throat, the white whirlpiger, the blue monkey at the throat and the yellow warrior at the throat. All of those four archetypes are here in one shape or another to communicate. But when we go back to the sacral and the third eye chakra, I feel like both of these things for all of the other families can be places of power. Like we all have this capacity to create. We all have this capacity to see the world around us very clearly. Because for example, in order to communicate through the throat, to communicate the truth, we need to also see the truth. We need to be able to manifest the truth. Or for example, healing the heart chakra. We cannot heal the heart chakra if our eyes are clouded by the illusions of the unconscious mind or the illusions of this reality. And also if our sacral chakra is locked in its shadow aspect, so to say, again, I, for me anyway, I feel that opening the heart is a little bit more tricky because usually when we close the hearts, we are kind of like directing all of our energy towards the lower chakras as well. So I can go on philosophizing about this for a lot, but the way I see it, 
these chakras are not put there in on this list because they are considered to be places of power for all of the different families. Whereas, you know, I've noticed that, for example, Sir Chakra family, because that's my family, and this is the name for this grouping of the solar seals. If we group them by colors, it's a tribe. If we group them by the chakras, it's a family, basically. Right. Just to be clear with the terminology. Yeah, no, and it, it is making sense. And I think that's very relatable. I actually find myself keeping my hands when I'm having this com these conversations on my sacral chakra. And I don't know why, you know, I could have my hands anywhere else on my desk, but they always sort of seem to be most comfortable resting right over mm -hmm. that. I'm wondering if maybe I'm channeling uh, the energy from there up through my arms. But when it comes to new year a lot of different cultures celebrate the new year on a different day and and this mayan calendar the dream spell calendar is no different the day out of time as it's known is july 25th right so mm -hmm. that leaves us in the spectral month right now may would be the spectral month i know this because Tara and I started following the dream spell calendar almost exactly a year ago under the crystal moon mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. folks who go on to our Patreon, they'll see that we have episodes titled Crystal Moon Day, you know, eight. And we were tracking, you know, how we felt and we will get back into it, being in that flow. And it isn't easy when you're living a modern life uh, and when you have other things going on, you know, so we have to be able to give ourselves a little bit of leeway here. But for mm -hmm. people who want to integrate the dream spell calendar into their life do you have any advice any tips on on what folks can immediately do to change this uh perspective oh, well uh watching my youtube videos for sure <laughs> and also i always recommend people to just take it step by step because like you said in the beginning, it can look pretty intimidating when you look at those calendars and all that information. So first of all, it's important to have this patient attitude towards ourselves. And then it's a process about following the calendar day by day. There are some apps and websites. The apps are 1320 Sync for iPhone users and the DreamSpell app for Android users. And it's simply a process of, in the beginning, looking at what energy is today. There's also... On the 1320 Sync app, there are some explanations that we have there available about the lunar tones, the solar seals, and their meaning. And simply doing this habit every day or even sometimes in the evening, that's how I used to do it when I started getting into the calendar because I didn't want me checking in the morning influencing you know my experience in a way kind of like you know our tendency to always look for meaning and find connections so i would look at the end of the day to kind of be like oh so that's why i had this experience today because today it's all about i don't know the physical body so that's, that's why i had a pain let me ask you about that because i think that's really important you know people mm. might think like 
oh yeah i need to know about this i need to look at it in the morning but you're suggesting like don't give yourself the bias don't give yourself the preempt because you might actually take some of the mean the real meaning away is yes. that true yes definitely so my experience in the beginning following this calendar was something like, oh, I found the perfect tool to plan how I move about and what I do on a specific day to be in alignment with the calendar. And the calendar, the consciousness behind the calendar said something like, no, that's not the way to use it. So I would try to plan my days according to the calendar, but things just kept happening to stop me from doing that like you know the all of these synchronic events that were trying to tell me like no you're not going into the right direction with using this calendar in this way and i have a lot of people asking me oh how can i best plan my day using the calendar and again i'm telling that no it's not about how we plan our day it's having a tool that allows us to put things in perspective and to gain a deeper meaning uh, about our experiences, but simply let, letting them flow. Because if we try to force synchronicity, to try to force it to happen, it's kind of no longer a synchronicity. It's something that we are trying to push into, you know, manifesting. So the more I laid back and allow things to unfold, and then I would use the calendar to gain kind of like a framework about my experiences, that's when things started to accelerate and to happen in synchronistical and magical ways. Mm. Because... What I've noticed, and I find this super interesting, is that people who are in alignment with the hearts and they are following their soul's calling and they are more aligned to it than the rest of the people, they're in alignment with the calendar, like without knowing it exists, without having access to its language, like they don't understand what these archetypes mean. When they speak to me and I know, you know, all of the meaning of the energies, I always look at them and say like, wow, you are totally aligned with the energy of each day. You have no idea, but you are. And it's fascinating to see that. It's fascinating to see how on, I don't know, a yellow seed day, my yellow seed friend always writes me a message or gets in touch, or I bump into a friend on the day of his archetype or all sorts of things like that. This is just like an example of the synchronicities that can show up for people. And this is what I recommend in the beginning to simply use it as a tool to gain context about our experiences in a day to help us better understand oh so that's why this thing happened this is why i had that conflict this is why i don't know i had a good day or this is why i had a bad day right. and from here it's about gaining a little bit of understanding about each of the archetypes so that we can gain an open doorway to the messages that they might be trying to send out right. to us well and um, it shows it shows how adverse we are in this culture and you know we're in two separate countries but clearly there's a lot of overlap you know we can maybe broaden it and say in western culture 
People are prone to putting a lot of anxiety around making mistakes. They don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to fail. So they find something like this and they're like, here's the secret. Everyone else is using this and that's why their life's so perfect. No, 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 no. You got to go and do it the reverse of what maybe your instincts are telling you, which is go out, make the mistakes, and then understand why through hindsight, through this context. And you're going to start to make those changes to where, you know, the mistakes you made three weeks ago are a little less than the mistakes you'll make today when you leave the house, right? So I think when people understand it in this context of like healing rather than, you know, this sort of, what's it called in medicine? When we try, there's a there's an approach in medicine where you want to make sure the body's healthy before you get sick. And then there's the reverse, which is reactionary, which is like, oh no, you're sick, let's heal you, right? And sort of it's counterintuitive to think like this, but with this type of thing, we wanna wait for the damage to be done and then go in and assess it and heal it, right? Yeah, definitely, because, it, you know, despite what you said and the fact that our culture is really trying to run away from making mistakes this is at the foundation of how we learn as human beings you know thinking of a child the child keeps doing mistakes until he learns that oh you know this is not actually the way to do it but if you know like you said we keep telling people like yeah this is the path this is the way might not also work for everybody so that's also another thing but another thing that i've noticed about this approach that people try to have towards the dream spell it's also the desire to somehow feel that we are in control over our life which you know in the world we live in we don't actually have control this is actually a lesson that the white world bridger archetype teaches us that control is only an illusion and as a person who has control issues, I really empathize with people on this. And for me, the calendar was actually, and how I started to connect with it in the beginning, you know, I made the mistake of trying to plan my days according to it. And it kind of backfired towards me. So, you know, it's about knowing that we cannot control what happens in our life. And that's okay. This is actually part of the game that we are playing in this world where we are trying to wake up to the understanding that what we should be controlling is how we react internally to what is happening externally. We cannot change anything by force, but we can change how we react to a specific situation. And I feel like this is where the power of the calendar comes in, because as we start observing how the different archetypes interact with us and what they might be trying to point out about our life, our behavior, our situations, our relationships, we also gain the understanding of how to change the way we approach a specific situation. And that I feel is a very powerful thing to be able to do, to um, choose to react differently. And it's surprisingly how, you know, this works. And the moment we react from a different internal place, how this actually affects the outcome of the outside situation. But 
yeah, it's a process for a lot of people. Like I said, it was so for myself this way. It was for myself this way, the tendency to try to control my experience rather than going with the flow and looking at what's happening to gain a deeper understanding and meaning. Mm. Yeah, and it's connecting with something that's so much realer than what we're given, you know, like we mentioned before, the calendars that we have are so manipulated that this is uh-huh. a way for us to connect with the natural reality around us. And my question is, dealing with what you do and, and helping so many people understand this, do you notice people have heightened maybe increased synchronicity in their life when they actually make that connection to natural reality? Definitely, definitely. I have a few people that I've actually stayed in contact and gotten really close after having sessions with them. And they keep telling me stories about their synchronicities. I also look at my own life, how, you know, ever since that day when I started to understand that, oh, the calendar is actually a very profound tool and I need to understand it synchronicity has kind of become like ah, something that just happens. I'm used to it now. You know, it's every day, all day. So yeah, definitely. Because in Jose Arguez's books, because he's the one that actually took the mind calendar and created the dream spell for all people to be able to access this wisdom. He was celebrated by nine mind elders on a ceremony at Teotihuacan. I believe it was 2000. 10, if I'm correct, when this happened, he was uh, celebrated at the cl- as the closer of this great cycle ending in 2012. And he calls the dream spell a synchronotron, sorry, a synchronometer, because it is a tool through which we can actually measure synchronicity. And all of a sudden we have all of these different kind of like a new language through which we can interpret synchronicity. Because for example, if I didn't follow the calendar, I wouldn't know that my friends are in alignment with the calendar. Like they wouldn't know if I wouldn't tell them. So it kind of gives us like a new alphabet through which we can dive even deeper in the synchronic order. And use this tool of the calendar to also understand our past experiences better because what I've experienced was through this calendar, looking at it now from this point of view, I understood that some choices I made in the past were totally synchronized with the calendar and I had even no idea about it. I wasn't into it. I wasn't using it. But then in reference, looking back at my experiences, I was like, oh, wait, I was aligned to it even back then. But I didn't have the tools to understand that that was a synchronicity and things like that. So it really does boost the synchronic experiences in our life. And everything in nature, you know, is synchronized with this frequency. All of plant, all of animal, even mineral life is aligned to this 1320 galactic frequency, which is actually, you know, not only on this planet, it's in the entire galaxy. And... This is what it is believed that the purpose of the minds was to basically come here and to give us the tools in order to be able to realign with the natural frequency of time because they were kind of like 
galactic masters in a sense, and their purpose was to come on different planets and inhabit them for a period of time in order to be able to kind of like align to the culture, the local culture, and be able to, based on the language of this culture inhabiting the planet, to offer the tools needed that when the time comes to align with our the galactic center, we would be able to do that. Like this is the purpose of the calendar to help us realign with ourselves, to help us realign with the natural cycles of time so that we can align with the whole galaxy, which is pulsating on this rhythm of natural time. And from here, you know, it's up to us to learn how to use these tools in order to get to this point. And this was another thing with 2012, actually, the whole doomsday prophecy, which was totally hijacked by the media and things like that. It was actually speaking about the ending of a cycle and the beginning of a new one, a cycle where all of our solar system is moving closer to the galactic central sun, which the Mayans believed was the center of all creation, the original point of oneness from which all creation expanded, the place where souls go and come from after this physical life. And since 2012, we have begun the journey towards the golden age as the mayans described it a time when we awaken to our potential as humans and we start aligning with um ourselves and nature and one another so um yeah i kind of like got lost in a lot of oh, out there. you brought up so many amazing things that i honestly i'm so glad that you brought them up because yeah, it, it's connecting a lot of dots for me, Andras. We are expected to, I, I think I mentioned this before we started recording, but we're both the same archetype, so to speak. According to my girlfriend, I'm also a world bridger or white world bridger. But Jose Arguelles, I never realized that he had he had that much to do with it. You know, I was familiar with his book. I had been perplexed by his book, clearly, because I don't even know the basics about it. But yeah, this is this is really powerful. Now, when it comes to the Mayans, what about their mythology was incorporated into the Dream Spell calendar? Was this really an original piece of, of you know, their culture or did jose take some liberties and was how like how much of the dream spell calendar was actually created by jose or or was it all just taken from the mayan culture so the tolkien the galactic calendar made out of the 260 days which are the combination of the 20 solar seals and the 13 lunar tones that is like the original the original tolkien calendar of the mayans and i'm actually going to pull up a picture of that to have like the visual of what i'm talking about so this is pretty much the way the Mayans left it. What has changed is some of the, the way in which these archetypes are drawn, some of them. Though, while I was traveling in Mexico, I've seen the exact representations on different 
items, but if you go a little bit further down Mexico, you might find some different representations. So different tribes, different Mayan tribes, different way to portray these archetypes. And what has changed here is the name of both the lunar tones and the solar seals. For example, here we have the red dragon, which in the original Mayan calendar is the crocodile, but it still had that same function and purpose as an energy. And the lunar tones, I think in the picture that I brought up about them, we have the Mayan names written here. So instead of magnetic, we, uh, magnetic, we have hun. So like that is the main difference when it comes to this calendar. And also besides the the Third, besides the Tolkien calendar, we also have the 13 moon calendar. And based on this, we have the day out of time here on um, the 25th of July. And we have here 13 months based on the 13 lunar cycles within a year. And we have four weeks in each month, seven days per week. So the whole seven day week thing stays in place, but we have just four weeks in a month and this is the same every month. So as you see, we have like this perfect harmonic structure. So this is actually a template that is not only specific to the Mayans. What is specific to the Mayans is the date in which the new year starts. Although the ancient Egyptians also celebrated the new year on the, well, they celebrated the first day of the year on the 26th of July. And the thing that is different here compared to the indigenous traditional calendar that the Mayans still use is around the date of the 29th of February. So the, that day is basically divided into the day of the 28th and the 1st of March. So if we zoom in right here, we're going to see that on the galactic month, the eighth month, we always have 28 and the 1st of March. And when we have the 29th, because the purpose of this calendar is to kind of like train our mind to be able to see the harmonic patterns all around us in nature, the day of the 29th, it is basically divided in between those two days. And this is one of the um, essential differences in this calendar, because, you know, the indigenous Mayans still living in the jungle, they if they strictly follow their calendar, they don't have this concept of the day of the 29th of February that pops every four years and things like that. Like they don't even need to think about that concept. Right. But uh, for us, we like have it deeply embedded within us. And therefore by using this calendar in the same time as we're still using the Gregorian to kind of like, you know, format our mind towards a new frequency, it takes that day and kind of like creates another day out of time in a sense where that day can very much feel like a portal. And I've experienced this many times, well, ever one time actually, because there's been a oh, one time of the 29th of February since uh, I've been following the calendar. But anyway, 
there is somehow a feeling to that day of like much more timeless type of energy the way I perceive it because of the divide in between those two previous and the next day. So yeah, these are the essential differences. And besides the names and sometimes the interpretation about the different solar seals, for example, or the meaning of the lunar tones, like, you know, this is something that I've noticed kind of like each person that works with the calendar can add its own twist to how it interprets a specific energy, a specific archetype. And it's actually really interesting for me, you know, I know about these things, but whenever I speak to somebody else that knows, it's like, huh, I didn't think about this archetype in this sense. That's a very good point of view. And, you know, like there's a constant learning process by interacting with other people who also work with the calendar. So yeah, those are the main differences, I would say. Yeah. And if you could go back to, well, you took the pictures down. I could, I could, well, I could still ask the question. It looks way more consistent with what we would understand when we look at nature, when we look at biology, especially from a mathematical, physical perspective, we have these things called Fibonacci sequences and fractals and golden ratios. It would make sense that our calendar, our timekeeping system would have symmetry to it and not be this awful, ugly mishmash of, hey, one day is so screwed up, we actually have to add an extra day to it every four years, and we call that a leap year. I mean, that to me is so much more strenuous than just having one day at a time. And I don't think that it's any coincidence whatsoever that the Egyptians and the Mayans both just happened to celebrate July 26. I mean, come on, that has to be a big, big wake up call for anyone who thinks that there's a separation uh, between these types of things. And I wonder from your experience, given you've been following this for about five years now, half a decade, how different, like, do you notice an ease not that you're you're planning, you know, because we already got past that. But when you mm-hmm. when you look back on your week, do you notice like an ease? Like, what are some of the qualities that this, you know, integrating this in your life has, you know, brought on? So, the first thing that I would say is that yeah, there is some kind of an ease that I feel. The way I experience it is that it's brought my mind into a much more harmonious space and it has actually expanded it to be able to notice patterns much more faster because of, you know, like you said, this harmonic structure of the calendar and the fact that this is actually our mind is predisposed towards harmony and by exposing it to disharmony we're kind of like doing some weird things to our mind so i feel like it's helped me better compartmentalize my mind my thoughts to kind of like store my experiences in different little drawers and things like that so that on one hand on the other hand what i've noticed because i can also be a little bit hard on myself when doing the inner work and having very high expectations of me is that it's been you know putting me in positions where i'm like i should know this why do i keep acting based on these patterns but that is more like a a joke regarding to all this that it is making me a little bit hard on myself but it's 
actually been helping me to relax a lot more because when we are thinking about the Gregorian calendar and we're thinking about the clock that is ticking and quantifying everything, we have the tendency to be very fast paced as a society and as individuals with no time for pausing and reflecting and things like that. And I can have the tendency to also be a workaholic many times. I still have that sometimes, but I've noticed that now I know how to pause and just detach from all of these things and to give myself the time to also rest and not only run on the treadmill and things like that. And another thing is that it has basically kind of helped me to accept more of where I am on my journey and accepting other people more on where they are on their journey. And I sometimes joke with myself that I'm having a hard time being angry at people because of the fact that now I can interpret their experiences and see them from this kind of like, not from the position of somebody that is hurting me, but from the position of somebody that is hurt and has all of these shadow aspects that lash out whenever they are hurt, which end up hurting the, those around them and things like that. But yeah, especially when it comes to how I uh, relate to time, like that was the biggest thing for me and how I have been entering in all sorts of timeless states. Like uh, for me, time has really transformed into a very difficult notion to explain to people because sometimes I feel that in a month I am living years and years and then some months just pass by so fast because there's so much doing and things like that. So ever since working with a calendar, I have all of these altered states of consciousness in a sense where time just expands and then contracts and expands again in very beautiful rhythms and dances. So yeah, and this is a lot because, you know, Time is basically, as Jose Arguelles describes it, time is the dimension of our mind. And how we perceive time actually affects our consciousness. It affects the mechanisms of our brain and how we basically perceive reality. So if we see time as something that we can measure and quantify each moment, each second, each instance, we are confining ourselves to a reality where it's all about the physical. It's all about the material. It's all about the things we can quantify. We can touch, taste, smell, and measure and things like that. When time is actually beyond the physical, we can say that the physical is contained within an ocean of time, which is all happening all at once. So many people I've also worked with have had all experiences where they feel like time stops or time starts moving much faster or much slower, depending on what they're paying attention to internally. And I feel like this is one of the big things that big things that helps us to get out of this perception where we are slaves to the ticking of the clock and we need to keep on looking at a fixed calendar that is totally irregular and disharmonious because if we don't look at the calendar kind of like we don't have this harmonious system that we can follow and know each day what it is just by looking at this 
stars on the sky and things like that, which when we start working with the 13 moon calendar and the Tolkien through the dream spell, we're going to be much more aligned with what is happening around us, the cycles around us, more aligned to nature, more aligned to, you know, the cycles of our inner being as well, which, you know, we are aligned to nature, whether we want to accept it or not, whether we are aware of it or not. So, no, yeah. I, I love all of the ideas you just presented there. And it, it really got me thinking a about this podcast and the timelessness that I experience while having these conversations. And it just adds to that, what you said about time and the mind being connected in that way, we start getting into these conversations. And I look down at my mixer that tells me how long it's been recording. And it's like, wow, an hour and a half already, right? So there's there's certainly that power that I notice here. And in contrast to what I used to do, before I kicked myself in the butt hard enough to quit my job and do this full time, uh, I had some other opportunities that came with that as well. But I was a delivery guy. And with, with delivering packages, you have, let's say, 200 stops in a day. You have eight hours to accomplish all 200 of those. And, you know, some packages take five minutes to drop off. Some take 30 seconds, right? So it's all about time. And I noticed the, the best days I had were the days when... I didn't concern myself with how fast I was going or if I would make it home by six o'clock, you know, et cetera. The best days were the days where I got into a flow state. And when I quit my job and I started doing this and working for myself full time, I noticed an acceleration of that effect. Uh, you know, rather than just happening over the course of a work period, it happened over the course of a week, over a month, time would fly at that rate. And I was like, really uh, blown away at where I was, you know, in hindsight, you know, where I started and where I ended up were two totally different places. So I think there is something about time that, you know, we can really entertain this thought over the course of many different episodes, I end every podcast with this phrase, enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now, because personally, I found the most power in the moment, right? In the, in this now moment that really, and I wonder what the Mayans say about this, or, or even your, your experience with this, you know, how, how this moment really is all we have, right? Future, past, those are just concepts. We're only ever in this now moment. Yeah, definitely. And for many people, and I also look at myself, how my mind has the tendency to project itself in the past, to project itself in the future and things like that. But in truth, yeah, everything we ever experience is the present moment. The notion of time, we actually experience it through our mind, you no, know, by traveling in the past or the future. And because most people are caught up in this, we, you know, come into this world and we learn these mechanisms from society. And then it's the process of learning how to let them go. But um, this is, you know, correlating this with the Mayan calendar and one of the archetypes there, one of the archetypes called the Red Earth, which is all about the power of presence, teaches us that if we 
work on anchoring ourselves in the present moment and being aware of everything that is happening in the here and now, not only do we heal a lot of the past wounds and traumas that we keep perpetuating in the present moment, but we also end up ending entering the synchronic order, which is all that is about. Because if we're not present of this moment, synchronicity might just fly by and we miss out on it because we're caught up in the mind rather than actually listening and paying attention to what is happening in our environment. And also something profound I learned from the Red Earth archetype is that we as human beings aren't actually living in the present moment. We, it's so easy for us to get caught up in all of these games and illusions of the mind where we kind of create alternate versions of reality rather than just being present with what is. We start interpreting in a different way what a person says to us and then we get triggered and boom, we're no longer in the present moment. We're caught up in the traumas of the past that are distorting our experience of the present. So, you know, it all starts, it sounds very beautiful to, yeah, live in the present moment, but actually it's a lot of work to do that because in order for us to be present, we need to clear the programming, the mechanisms that are getting us caught up inside this vicious cycle where we are trapped between past and future. And the present kind of, we miss out on that because we are stuck in the two worlds. Mm. Well, and I'll so, tell you what, I mean, everyone listening right now, pause the podcast and take two minutes and just think and see what comes to your mind, you know, because wherever you are right now, I guarantee you're probably listening to podcasts the same way I do, which is, I don't want to think about anything else. I just want to put myself to your point in this other space, this other mental space. I mean, listening to podcasts is a form of escapism. It's a form of escapism that I am guilty of. So don't be a uh, shameful audience. I'm right there with you. But yeah, do that. You know, it doesn't hurt me at all. Pause the podcast and just think for 10 minutes. Think for 15 minutes. Maybe you don't turn this podcast back on. Oh, actually, please turn the podcast back on so you can hear Andre's plugs. But take some time to be in the present and feel how difficult that is. Because to your point, it isn't something that, oh, yeah, just turn it on. Like, it's not something that's effortless, but it can create an experience of effortlessness in your life when you have the discipline to strive for presence, right? And, and, and to your point, it's not easy. It's not easy. But are there any tips you would give our listeners to, you know, for when they get to that point? Because I think, you know, soon as you try to meditate, right, this word meditate, we don't really know what it means in, in spirituality. Everybody uses it in a different way. But when we try to meditate and we allow our thoughts to float away, the first ones that float back in are usually the ones we have to deal with or the things that we don't want to deal with, right? I feel that for this process of presence, accessing the observer state is essential because just like you said, you know, when we try to meditate, for example, which is what most people recommend for the practice of being present, just sitting and meditating, focusing on the breath, the body, and trying to pay attention to our thoughts. And 
you know, when we start paying attention to our thoughts, we're going to see how the mind is basically trying to pull us away from this experience of nothingness in a sense and being just fully engaged with our senses. Because in a sense, that's what being present means, being fully in the now from our physical body to our consciousness to our emotions but for me accessing this observer state is something that I try to do not only when I'm meditating and it's kind of like setting the intention to transform our whole experience into uh, a meditation process and whenever we find ourselves not being present gently and you know with loving kindness observe that oh I'm not being present Okay, what can I do to align myself more with this present moment? And for me, the way I've been doing this is to find those different practices, which allow me to be fully engaged with what I am doing to, you know, be so engaged that the mind doesn't really have the space to wander off. And for me, that tool has been instruments, musical instruments and playing with music, especially when I'm, you know, trying something new on an instrument. It's like there's nothing but me and that instrument in that moment. And I encourage people to find that tool for them, which allows them to be fully in the moment. For many people, it's exercises like, you know, yoga practices or my boyfriend has this thing with the biking like he's always on the bike like 10 kilometers 20 kilometers minimum per day and that is his practice of presence in a sense because you know thinking about going on our bike we need to be fully engaged we can't afford to be distracted by different thoughts we need to pay attention to so many different things and yeah it's finding that tool which allows us to you know whenever we feel that we are wandering off we're not present okay let's access this tool and use this tool to bring myself back into this present moment so it's kind of like playing with this observing state and then being very patient with us when we notice that we are not as present as we would like to be in that moment so it's more like turning in our life into a meditation in a sense rather than forcing ourselves to do a specific thing in order to attain that state of presence because particularly because of the fact that we are so engaged with the mind that's why meditation might be very difficult for many people but for me, when I discovered active meditation, which is exactly this, engaging in a specific process where we are also using the body in a way and we are engaging with the body and present with everything that is happening. So when I discovered this active meditation, that for me was like a game changer. And it really helped me to tap more into the state of presence without having to go through all of that oh but i can't meditate my mind isn't quiet it's not supposed to be quiet you know well it's not supposed to be quiet because of the way that we function in our society actually there it is possible to attain a state of consciousness that goes beyond the thoughts beyond the mind because you know mind being the mechanism through which we anchor ourselves in this illusion of time the way we perceive it this is also our gateway out of it and the gateway is the moment we start dissolving this mechanism that is our mind and 
going into this timeless state of consciousness beyond the physical, beyond the ego. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I recommend yeah. people for uh, presence. Great advice and well said. Yeah, I am totally in concert with that. And speaking of concert and music, you talked about the moon tones. And as someone who is experimenting with music, I'm guessing from this spiritual perspective as well, you try to integrate, right? How does music uh, play into the Mind Dream Spell calendar? Can you play music that's inspired, let's say, by the month's tone? Or is that maybe too far-fetched? <laughs> no, actually, because I have this connection with music, I'm kind of trying to explore the different archetypes at this moment through songs. It's more like a personal practice at the moment. I'm not yet sharing this with anyone. I feel like I still need to refine it a little bit more. But I feel that, yeah, there's a lot that can be expressed even through music. For example, there are some guys from Argentina that are working with the calendar. They actually correlated the tones with specific musical notes, and they're creating like these experimental songs based on the different lunar tones to kind of like try to express that energy and sound. I don't have the what's it called like the vocabulary in a sense to kind of like explain how they did that i'm not so good at musical theory it's more like i play by year rather than anything else but there are people that have made these correlations and you know one of the philosophies of this calendar is that time is arts so I love it when I see parts of the calendar expressed through art. There is a woman in New Zealand, Vasumi, who actually plays with these archetypes in a form of theater play with the different archetypes. There are people who draw them, who paint them. I, I really love when I find a music artist who you know, names a song after a specific day in a calendar, like Yellow Rhythmic Sun or something like that. And hearing how, oh, like this is how the person thought to, you know, express this energy, for example. And I actually always encourage people who take my workshops and things like that, or I just interact with them to find ways in which they can connect with these archetypes through different artistic practices such as, I don't know, writing a poem, for example, about what does this archetype mean for you? And just this art of contemplating on all of these different energies and these different archetypes is something that can bring a lot of insight for people regarding how these energies work with them and how they can work with these energies. But uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of potential for these different energies and elements of the calendar to be expressed through arts for sure absolutely and uncanny because i mean you didn't know i was about to show you this but i have some art here not created by me but if you can see this here this often <laughs> is pointed out by folks who believe in the ancient alien theories. And they say, hey, uh -huh. look at this Mayan guy. Why is he seemingly in some kind of technological device or something? But, you know, that's their interpretation with their set of skills. Given what you know about the dream spell calendar, do you see some sort of, you know, 
calling to that or time in this, you know, because people often say like, yeah, we don't really understand what this is, but I notice along the sides here, I don't know if you can see my mouse, but <laughs> along the sides, it kind of looks like maybe those are uh, archetypes or seals or yeah, something. What, what do you are. think? Wow. Okay. They actually are. That is the uh, lid of the tomb of Pakalbotan. Okay. Pakalbotan, who was a ruler in uh, Palenque, which is one of the famous Mayan sites in Mexico. And this is, yeah, you know, one of the key elements in their culture. I actually have a little thingy of the tomb of Pakalbotan on here in the room. And uh, yeah, on those sides are actually different archetypes that are present there. Was it the resonant world bridger? One of the things I uh, accuse myself of is not knowing all of the details sometimes. So I don't um, remember what all of the archetypes are there. I would need to um, take it and take a better look at it. But there are specific kins, because this is another name for the combination between uh, a lunar tone and a solar seal, uh, the kin of the day. So there are 20 actually different kins on the tomb of Pakalbotan, which are meant to have different meanings. They are like gatekeepers of different wisdoms. There is a world bridger there, for example, there is a white mirror and all sorts of different archetypes present there. Wonderful. Yeah. And a lot of what we talk about on this show connects the ancient cultures and all sorts of different artifacts like this. And I didn't even know the name of it. I just typed in alien, ancient alien Mayan guy, and I found this picture. Uh -huh. So thank you for, for teaching me something. Well, you taught me a lot today. So thank you for teaching me another very interesting thing. I want to take it back to you, Andra. I mean, South America, Central America, it's not very close to where you are now in Romania. Romania, in my mind, has its own sort of interesting culture, definitely a spiritual culture. Are there parts of Romanian culture that you integrate into the Dream Spell calendar? Or was there any part of your childhood that maybe, you know, being a Romanian left you more able to connect with this type of culture here in the Americas? So something that happened in Romania, especially during the communist regime, because we had that, a lot of our ancient heritage has been kind of like destroyed and a lot of evidence is, you know, hidden by different government features at the time from the communist regime. So from one point of view, what happened in Mexico and Guatemala to the Mayans, it happened here in Romania very deeply because we were actually even, you know, close to modern times, quite aligned to nature in a sense. And from my point of view, there are a lot of similarities between these two different cultures of, you know, Mexico and Romania, like it's not something that I can necessarily rationally pinpoint. And besides, you know, this connotation of both our cultures being destroyed by globalists and things like that. But I felt a deep sense of familiarity in the people there while I was visiting Mexico, like the same behavior. And I've somebody was uh, sharing this with me very beautifully, how as Romanians, we kind of like have a very hard shell 
but a very sweet core. But to get to that core, we kind of like need to break the shell. That was my experience of Mexican people. In the beginning, they might be a little bit, you know, who are you? Like gringos and things like that, colonialists. But then when you actually get to connect with them, they are amazing people. And to be honest, because of the fact that I felt very much like an outsider in my country, culture, you name it, I never really got deeply into the heritage, the cultural heritage of <clears throat> our ancestors, which are called the Dacians, only in the little recent years have I started to actually look into all of this but we have like you know amazing stories about these lands about you know mythical stories about giants and different places where there are portals there and people just disappear and they're never heard of again so like this is really a very mystical place where you can almost like the myth is almost palpable when you go into these sacred sites around Romania and and it was actually very interesting for me because when I was traveling in Mexico, I was like there at the Mayan pyramids, like, here I am. Hi, guys, send me something, downloads, energy. I was, I was you know, expecting to kind of like feel something, feel that connection that I was looking for, which I found it here when I was going through all of these ancient sites in Romania. And that for me was very deep because... As I was talking to a very dear friend of mine who is very into this whole Romanian heritage of the Dacian heritage, there are actually similarities between, uh, you know, like this 13 moon calendar and the calendar that the ancient Dacians used. There are actually some proof that exists in different archaeological sites about how they also followed a lunar calendar and things like that. So they were much more aligned to this perception of time where we are part of nature rather than separated from it in the same way that the Mayans also were. So yeah, but it really is a very powerful land. And I kept traveling for a period of time, like I had two years of going all around the world. But every time I would come back here, I would feel that, okay, yes, I have this connection to, let's say, the Mayan lineage and things like that. But I'm here in Romania. So like, this is somewhere where I need to be directing some of the work. And there are some powerful portals here that also need to be understood, I feel. So for me, it was more like a process of first connecting with the mind calendar that actually brought me to understand that, huh, no, wait, this, what is happening here in the country that I was born in, this is actually something that also needs to be further explored. Absolutely. And I just wanted to say we have a small, small percentage of folks who have tuned in from Romania, only 69 mm -hmm. total downloads. That could be one person listening to 69 episodes. Maybe it was you, Andra. If so, thank you. But hopefully after this conversation comes out, that number goes up. But from my, we'll say, ignorant American perspective, we have this concept of a gypsy, right? Which is, you know, probably a derogatory term to some, so I apologize. But considering you made the connection earlier to the Maya and Egypt, we have this sort of linguistic, at least it seems like the word gypsy in Egypt might have a sort of connection. 
So I don't see any reason why, you know, the three cultures would all be using a moon calendar. That seems perfectly, that seems right, you know. That seems like maybe why the communist government wanted to suppress your guys' history. It's unfortunate. It's happened here in America, too, to the Native Americans. But, yeah. you know, and of course the Maya down there with the Spanish and that whole colonial mm -hmm. situation. But... Yeah, I, I'm very curious about Romania. If you could, maybe for anyone who ever visits or is in Romania, what are some of these sacred sites? Are, are the portals? I mean, you could keep them a secret if you want to preserve them. There is, you know, some thought behind that. You know, we don't just want anybody to be able to go to these sites. But if you could maybe share some insights. So I'm going to share two of them for now. <laughs> But there are a lot more. Uh, and one of them, which is the most famous, and there are already quite a lot of foreigners coming to visit it, it's in Bucej Mountains. We actually have a sphinx ourselves, but it's not a uh, man-made sphinx. It's like a naturally occurring phenomenon where the rock was kind of like shaped by, you know, storms and things like now, that. Now that's, like the face. now that's, that's what they say oftentimes, Andra, to kind of, but we here have dubious sort of thoughts about people who say it's just naturally formed. There's actually, I love that you just said that because only a week ago, I learned that there's a sphinx in the Rocky Mountains here in the United States. Oh, really? And when you look at this image of it, it's, it's uncanny. It looks mm -hmm. like a human face. And my suspicion is that there's no natural weathering that can make that happen. So who knows? Maybe they're just saying that to keep people, you know, in the state of imagination and not investigation. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? There's also been uh, a book by, what's his name? I think Thomas More. I'm actually might be saying a completely wrong name, but there was a American author that actually spoke about this Sphinx, how it is a key energetical point here in this country and that there would be underneath the mountain kind of like a room of projections that the American government already has its hands on and things like that. So there are stories even about this, this place. And so like, this is one of the recommendations I would uh, make to people to visit if they're coming in Romania. And the second one would be the ancient Dacian ruins around Sarmisegetusa, it's called. That was for me, like the place where I told you, like I felt that connection that I was looking for at the Mayan sites. And it is basically this ruin that exists now on the place where the Dacians were before. And for me, that is like a very powerful place. Like I was walking there and all of a sudden I felt my feet go gooey and like a big expansion of the heart and just that feeling of being one with everything while I was walking there. And it is a really interesting place to visit. And also there are a few other Dacian ruins around that area, which are very beautiful that I recommend people to visit, such as one of them is called, and the other one is a little bit of a longer hike that you have to make through the forest to get to it, but it's definitely worth it. The fortress, the Dacian fortress, 
which is on a beautiful place somewhere up on mountain after I think it's a one hour hike, maybe a little longer, but definitely worth it. And uh, yeah, these are like one of those portals, the way I see them of energy that have a lot of like that type of ancient feeling where you walk into, you know, a forest or something and you can feel like something in the air, something old, something full of mystical wisdom, like from the trees, the soil and everything else. So yeah, these two places are, should be definitely on anybody's uh, to-do list when coming in Romania. Wow. Yeah. And on the point of planning, you know, we want to plan our trips and whatnot <laughs> that we can't go and avoid that. I mean, unless you're, you're like me and you're just so spontaneous, you just get in your car and end up somewhere. But I will definitely be planning at least some point in my lifetime, who knows when, to see this because I'm looking at the picture right now. It's a beautiful white sandstone, amazing rock feature. And we have a lot of really beautiful rocks here in the in the United States. So I, maybe I'm a rock nerd, but yeah, this is really fantastic. When it comes to portals though, Andre, I mean, there's certainly timeless nature to these places. Would you recommend people connect with the portals in their area on a particular day of the calendar, maybe the day out of time or uh, a particular moon or archetype that would lead to maybe more of what this person's looking for or is it a personal thing is there an archetype for for an individual usually when i get questions like this the answer is always it depends it depends on let's say what is the person's intention for connecting with such a portal you know is it for activating it is it for you know trying to gain something like information from that place or whatever that might be there is in this calendar system something known as galactic activation portal days which are basically these green colored units that we see within the calendar. These are considered to be special interdimensional gateways that help us more easily connect with the, the less tangible dimensions of life and consciousness. So if we're looking to connect with a portal, I personally would recommend a galactic activation portal day which of these days is up to each person. Definitely around the time of the new year, so around of the time of the 25th of July, there are a lot of interesting energies floating around because it, the reason the Mayans chose the date of the 25th as the day in between years was because we are much more aligned to Sirius in that period of time because for the Mayans and the Egyptians, and this is why they both celebrated the new year around that time, both of these cultures were deeply connected to the Syrian consciousness. It was believed that actually the Mayans came from there. Also, the ancient Egyptian masters believed the same, that they came from Sirius. And around the time of the new year, we are much more aligned to the Syrian energy and consciousness, kind of like bombarding the planet. I know many people that have had like 
incredible revelations and aha moments and life-changing experiences around the time of the Mayan New Year. So yes, definitely that can also be an option for people. But it all goes down to the intention. Like, okay, what is my intention for going out there and connecting with my local portal of energy? What am I hoping to gain? What am I hoping to receive from this? And from there, you can, you know, find which would be the archetype that is in, in alignment to this. But also back to what we were talking about earlier with going with the flow, Sometimes it's simply about following our calling because maybe I feel like going and working on a portal on a day that isn't a gap day, but maybe I'm going to discover that that was actually the energy that I needed in order to be able to do this portal work, so to say. So it all goes back down to each person learning how to trust their intuition and do what they feel at a specific moment that they feel doing it rather than trying to, you know, kind of like plan it based on the energy of the day. Another practice that I actually enjoyed doing when it came to setting days for workshops or events, I would first set the date without calculating or looking what it is in the calendar. And then I would look and I would be, oh, perfect. Like that is exactly the day I needed to be present for that specific event or workshop or things like that. So yeah. Sounds like I could use that with the podcast schedule, because as you know, we had this scheduled for a week prior, we had to push it back. So I could definitely use uh, another approach to how I plan at least this podcast. I tend to, I tend to get a lot of them recorded in one week, two week periods. For some reason, they all get commul, you know, the, they all get scheduled for one part of the month. So it'd be interesting to go back and see when I recorded an episode, how that episode ended up doing, you know, as far as audience is concerned, if it was received well or not. And then of course, what archetype and what lunar were present that day. I think that'd be a fun experiment. I might go a little nuts once I crack the code trying to manage, you know, oh, well, this guest is perfect for this archetype. But I can see that maybe in a, in a hindsight kind of way, adding a lot of clarity to how certain conversations go. Because as you know, doing what you do, you probably speak to many new people every week. You know, conversations are very, you know, fragile things. They can go all sorts of different ways and takes great care to set them up the way we have today. And you're just a fountain of wisdom, Andra. I almost want to, you know, keep you here long enough. Maybe my girlfriend will come back from work, but I know she's going to want to have you on her podcast. So I hope we'll, we'll get to talk again soon. Please let all the listeners know where they can find your work, where they can reach out to you if they want to ask more questions or even employ some of your amazing services. Please tell us where we can go. So my YouTube page, which is Dream Spell Calendar explained and usually you have my contact details like my email written there in pretty much all of them so the email is there for people who want to contact me that way if not there is my facebook page 
which is Dreamspell Galactic Signature Decodings. I'm a little bit chaotic when it comes to like all of my different pages. I have different names from them, but anyway. And it's also the uh, Instagram page, which is Dreamspelling. So any of these uh, three options are available for people who don't have one or the other. So yeah. And, cool. uh, and all that will be in the description. So it'll be really easy. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And do you have a, your own website, your own URL, your own .com yet? Not yet? Not yet. All right, Not well, yet. We'll talk after the recording. Maybe we can make a page for you on my, my website because I think it, you deserve to have one place where people can go to get this stuff or at least find find you. So here we are in the moment. I have to ask you one last time, one more question. Doing everything you do, understanding the world from this great perspective, does your family think you're crazy, Andra? I think they got used to me because I've been, let's say, crazy since before doing this work with the calendar. This was just the cherry on top. Ah. But I don't know if crazy in that sense, but definitely they think some things about me are weird in the way that I look at life and, you know, me trying to explain them the lack of logic behind many of the concepts that we have in our society so yeah i can definitely say that i am that black sheep of um the family in a sense well you're but right at home has, here my mother has i have to you know mention this that she has been an amazing support in the sense that no matter who might have thought I was crazy, she was that person that was like fully supportive of anything I was doing, no matter how crazy it might have seemed. She was actually the first person back in 2012 when the whole craziness was going on. She was the first person that told me that, oh, you know, it's not about the end of the world. It's about the beginning of a new cycle. And funny enough, back then I was like, come on, mom, stop with that bullshit and things like that what new cycle what evolution of consciousness and things like that so me and my mom are kind of like on the same level from many points of view but i think she also thought i was crazy at some point in the past so i feel like it's a process for many of us you know whenever we are going through let's say stage of beginning to see reality beyond what we have been taught that it is yeah definitely people around us are going to think we're kind of like going off the rails but that's a good thing you know because it just means we are getting out of this dysfunctional and distorted society and being crazy is actually a compliment that people make to us i couldn't have said it better myself that's why we name the show what it is and i think you're right at home here a lot of folks who tune in i'm sure can relate so andra thank you so much for spending your time with us here and Thank you for helping Thank me understand much. the dream spell calendar because it is it is complicated but you do a great job of explaining it and then yeah i'm gonna be working harder to stay within that cycle rather than the alternative the the mainstream so with that folks listening thank you so much and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now All right, what a conversation with Andra. We learned about time, the dream spell, calendar, the Maya, 
their connection to the Egyptians, their connection to Syria, and maybe even a connection to Romania sometime in the ancient past. Romanian Sphinx, I, I mean, how could I have expected that? That's why I ask the questions that I do, but it is curious synchronicity. Uh, I was just learning about this apparently a, a sphinx in the rocky mountains somewhere uh and this is robert ghost wolf who talked about it on coast to coast um 10 20 years ago now right so who knows if any discoveries have been made since if you're listening and you know about these strange structures in the rocky mountains please hit me up it's a very interesting part of the americas that uh i would love to know more about i think there's definitely an egyptian connection uh, up here in new england we have what seems to be more of a viking or pagan druid obviously a native american presence but very much a mayan connection as well if you're familiar with everything i talk about with michael wan we discuss all sorts of interesting things on our podcast your handbook for the apocalypse but one of the things that he uncovered is a connection to the maya through a gentleman named talakiel and that connection is in the Conestaga River where it meets the Susquehanna River but that's a conversation for another podcast that podcast is your handbook for the apocalypse you can find it on the Susquehanna Alchemy feed I also do another podcast now called the Free Thinker Society I'm helping out as a producer editor co-host and it is a blast Mike is a really cool dude he's a co-owner of the Dojo Comedy Club along with Sam Tripoli and he knows a lot of comics so we have comedians on the show we also have a lot of the interesting folks that you hear on this show and it's you know it's laid back you know it's free thinker society we talk about all kinds of stuff uh, mike's been on the show before back episode 40 when we did the call-in extravaganza um and i've been on the free thinker society podcast as a guest jeez like a dozen times before I ever officially was on the show so real cool stuff going on over there of course we got Illuminati confirmed a new episode will be coming out soon we did an episode with Joe and Ben from the UFO Garage podcast that's been available on Patreon and Rockfin for probably a few weeks now I just finished talking to Andra first time I'm doing this uh an outro immediately after i get off with the guest i think this is the best way to uh fully comment on what was just said sometimes it's difficult and i'm sure you guys are probably laughing like oh here we go here's the outro what's mark gonna say wow what a great podcast <laughs> so yeah i'm trying to trying to get past saying the same old thing and actually commenting on the show itself and I wasn't expecting the time in the technosphere to come up as much as it did. Um, I didn't realize Jose Arguelles, somebody who I'm pretty familiar with through his book, um, I didn't realize he was so connected to this Mayan dream spell calendar thing. And for anyone who's been with us on the Patreon for a while, you know that that was something that I was researching big time exactly a year ago. So look at how things come around. I'm definitely guilty of taking on a lot at once and sometimes things fall behind, you know? Sometimes you 
take uh, too much on your plate and you don't finish your meal, so to speak. So I have to, yeah, I have to practice being more focused. That's something that can happen pretty easily with a podcast like this. You know, I'm jumping from one topic to another topic to another topic. So I want to be more focused. And this conversation was great because it reminded me of something that is extremely important um, to me. My relationship with my girlfriend, Uh, you know, the (laughs) the moon calendar is a big thing that we both like researching and maybe I neglected uh, researching that or researching is the wrong word, integrating it into my life. Uh, But hey, we all have ways that we can improve. If you have ways that you can improve your life, Leave us a message on the Telegram. Tell us why your family thinks you're crazy. Tell us what you've learned from the show. Or maybe just suggest a guest for me to interview. I'd love to hear who you find interesting. And maybe I'll find them interesting as well. We have a really great episode coming out soon with a man named Chad Stemke. Really interesting guy up there in Michigan in the Great Lakes region, researching all the strange anomalies in the Great Lakes region. I've got to say, Chad, he blew my mind. I'm like, all right, we need to, we need to bring this back for a part two. So I haven't recorded that yet, but by the time this is out, I'll probably have recorded a part two with Chad, and that's gonna be a great episode. Very excited for that. And hey, if you're a Patreon supporter, you already have that episode and this one, right? Because all of our episodes are value for value. We don't have ads. There are no dynamic ads that break into the show and cut up the content. That's not the type of show I like to create. Nothing against people who put that type of show out. I think they have... They all have their benefits and their strengths and shit. (laughs) Honestly, this podcast isn't big enough to get those kinds of sponsors yet. So who knows? Maybe a day will come where I say, you know, I'm tired of driving my girlfriend's car. I want my own car. I want to buy a new car. I need to work harder. Stop being a lazy boy. Uh, And I work my ass off on this podcast and I work odd jobs to pay my bills and all that stuff because podcast is paying for itself of course but it's not really paying uh, for me to live yet so (laughs) i need to still supplement my income with other work but that's fine that's the that's the decision i made i've committed to this i have discipline and i will see it through and i know slowly but surely we are steadily rising more and more people joining the family the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast family and lovingly you guys are my lunatics i love you all so join the telegram get in touch with me even if you are hard you're strapped for cash like i am sometimes even if you can't uh you can't support with a, a one-time donation just join the telegram that's a good way to support Follow us on Instagram. Leave us a review. We just got a review from someone named Bootstrapper. And uh, 
I remember getting great reviews from Bootstrapper in the, in, in the past, and now it seems like he thinks we're too childish. Well, sorry, Bootstrapper. Maybe you shouldn't listen to Illuminati Confirmed. Maybe you should just listen to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. But anyways, please support the show on Patreon, on Rockfin, or with a one-time donation. If you buy our t-shirts in the merch store, you buy any of the merch in the merch store, it helps the podcast grow. It helps the podcast uh, get new eyes on it, of course, because you, you wear your merch that you buy from the merch store, and people are like, damn. Where'd you get that cool-ass t-shirt? Did you buy it at Old Navy? Did you buy it at uh, Savers? At Goodwill? No. No. Did you get it at Target? No. You can't get cool podcast merch at Target. You can only get it when you listen to cool podcasts like this one. So do yourself a favor. Upgrade your wardrobe. Get some podcast merch. Even if it's not my merch. Go get Juan's one-on-one t-shirts those are dope go get chris prozer's the mensa podcast merch he is actually someone who's worked in the fashion industry you want real professional podcast merch you gotta go to chris prozer anyways that's all for this outro support andra in all the places amazing conversation with andra um that's it that's all for me, folks. Have a great moment wherever you are in the now.